Before we start today, let's pray and give God thanks. Father, we're excited and we are expectant. We've already seen a move of your spirit this morning. We're expectant that you will continue to move here in Canton, in Jasper. We trust that you already moved at our locations in Kenya today. We're so thankful that we get to gather, that we get to open up your word. And as we come to you, Lord, we, we lift up our neighbors in Florida who are in the path of what could be a very strong storm. But it's your storm, Lord. So we're asking that the storm dissipates or veers off into the ocean. So we pray for our neighbors. We love our neighbors. I ask, Lord, that you fill me with your spirit and give me strength and power and wisdom and joy as I preach your word faithfully today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are at the end of John chapter 15. We're getting there, folks. Six more chapters to go. And I hope you have enjoyed going through John verse by verse. Have you enjoyed that? Yeah. Uh, If you're new, a few years ago, we began here at Revolution Church to go through books of the Bible, verse by verse. And we went through Romans to find out what we believe Then we went through Micah in the height of a lot of stuff going on at the end of 2020 to find out how we respond to what we believe, and now going through John to find out who we believe in. John chapter 15. So Jesus is continuing his farewell discourse to the 11 disciples who remain. Remember at the end of John chapter 13, Judas left the building, so he's no longer with them. Jesus is giving the disciples and us this discourse, and in the first 25 chapter, first 25 uh, verses rather of uh, John 15, Jesus has told us what does it look like to abide in Him? What does it look like to remain in Him, stay connected to Him, and what's the result of that? So we found out that one of the results is a fruit of the Spirit abiding in Jesus, staying connected to Jesus, walking in step with Jesus, we get more joy. And that's amazing. We walk in obedience with Jesus, we get more joy. Then last week, Pastor Jason told us, another result of walking in step with Jesus, abiding in Jesus, is the world will hate us. (laughs) Yay. But it makes sense, because at one time, we were of the world. We were with them, so they loved us. Then we weren't of the world because God took us out of the world. We weren't with them anymore, and they hated us. I get that from both sides. 16 years ago today, I was with the world. I was one of the haters of Christians. 16 years ago tomorrow, God took me out of the world. And... And I became one of the hated. So so I get it from both sides. 
And what Jesus is doing here, he's reminding the disciples in chapter 15, he's gonna do it again at the beginning of chapter 16, hey, the world's going to hate you, I don't want you to be surprised by this. And right in the middle, right in the middle of this this little persecution sandwich, which is not on the menu at Jimmy John's, right in the middle are these last two verses of John 15. It's kind of like, Slipping in some boar's head meat. You know, when you, when you go to Publix and they say, would you like the boar's head? You go, I'm having a pretty good day. I would like the boar's head, yep. <laughs> so let's get to these verses. We're gonna read them, and then we're gonna examine them, and then we're gonna look at the application. Read, examine, apply, and then we're gonna pray. And that's called reaping through the verses. John chapter 15, verse 26, but when... Say when. When the helper comes, whom I will. Say I will. You guys are really good today. I will send to you from the Father the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will, say he will, bear witness about me, bear witness about Jesus. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. This is so important. These are so encouraging and empowering from Jesus because as Pastor Jason said last week, we'll be hated, but it's never, never okay to be hateful in response to the hatred. And that's tough because we will be spit on. How do we respond? We will be slandered. How do we respond? I've actually been spit on. I've actually been slandered. And my first response is not to be spit on or slandered and go, come here, let me give you a hug. My first response is to respond in kind and also to pick up the phone and call my brother the lawyer. (laughs) But, But Jesus keeps telling the disciples, hey, I'm going away. And the disciples are like, what are we gonna do? Well, what are we gonna do? when Jesus goes away. Verse 26, one of the greatest words in the Bible, but, the world will hate you, but when the helper comes, when the helper comes, that's the operative word, when. This is not if the helper comes, this is not should the helper come because you know he's really busy doing stuff over here and over here and he didn't hear the message a couple of weeks ago about not saying busy anymore, but he's really busy. This is when the helper comes. It's not an if-then statement. It's not a conditional statement like we heard about in the beginning of chapter 15. If we abide in Jesus, Here are the results. This is the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, who never changes, who's all powerful, who can't go back on his word, he can't lie. He says, when the helper comes, and here's more confirmation. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you whom I will send to you. Now I know, he's gonna, he's, he's gonna send it to you too. <laughs> I know that, 
I know that with Pastor Jason not being here today, by the way, he's in Jasper, hanging out with the Jasper folks up at our Jasper campus. So hi, Jasper. Hi, Pastor Jason. Say hi, Jasper. Hi, Jasper. Jasper, say hi, Canton. I, I, I heard them. <laughs> I know without Pastor Jason being here, you're wondering, hey, are we going to get any of that really cool wordplay that he always throws in? Fear not. <laughs> I got you covered. I was a Latin and Greek major in college. I was. Don't laugh. <laughs> My parents laughed, but <laughs> no. And that was back when those languages were modern languages. <laughs> yeah, you laugh now. I'll be 62 next year, and then I won't have to pay any school taxes, and then I'll be laughing at you. <laughs> so the I will there is in the future active indicative. That means it is an action that is going to happen in the future. It is a guarantee. And like I said, Jesus, who is God, is guaranteeing this. So he's sending the helper. He's sending the counselor. He's sending the paraclete, the one who's going to come alongside us, live in us to give us that help. He is sending the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, Amen. It is a guarantee. Didn't know you were going to get some Hebrew today, did you? Or did you think I just coughed up some phlegm? Okay. So that is, that is Hebrew. Uh, by the way, I don't think it is a coincidence that I am preaching on the night that Rosh Hashanah begins. It begins at sundown this evening. That is the Jewish New Year. Uh, if you did not know that, it's the year 5783 in the Hebrew calendar. I am still writing 5782 on my checks, <laughs> which I say every year, and it's, I think it's always funny. I do. Some of you will get it on the way home. It'll be okay. And if you have, hey, if you have any Jewish friends, this would definitely bless them. If you wish them a happy new year for Rosh Hashanah, um, you could actually speak a little Hebrew to them. I'll, I'll, do you want to learn some Hebrew? Okay, okay. Lashana Tova, or Lashana Tova. Lashana Tova. So we'll say it together. Lashana Tova. Excellent. You know some Hebrew? That means have a good year. And that's what you're saying. Happy New Year. I don't know if it's a coincidence that I am always uh, preaching on the uh, eve of Rosh Hashanah. Uh, coincidence is a secular word for providence. Um, Maybe it's a coincidence that I always get to preach on the day or the day before my salvation birthday, or it's fall break and everybody else is gone. I don't know. <laughs> could, could be one or the other. This is not our first dance with the Holy Spirit, though, has it been? No. John chapter 14, a couple of times, Pastor Jason preached through chapter 14, and there were many references. Uh, 14, 16, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and the Father will give you another helper to be with you. The helper is the Holy Spirit dwelling with us, in us. John 14, 26 from the now famous Hamburger Helper sermon. If you, have, if you haven't watched that, go back and watch that. But the helper will teach you all things and bring to you 
remembrance of all I have said to you. So we've got this built-in helper to teach us and remind us everything that God has said and everything that God has done. So what's happening here is pretty cool. Jesus is setting up the disciples and therefore he is setting us up really well. He's saying, hey, abide in me. It's gonna get tough, but I'm gonna send you a helper. The world's gonna hate you. It's gonna be really tough, but I am going to send you a helper. And it's confirmed at the end of verse 26. And this is so cool how it all ties in together. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, just like all things, and bring to you remembrance of all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will testify to us about everything that God has done to remind us because we're gonna need these reminders. When it gets tough and people are hating on us, we're gonna, I'm gonna need that reminder. And what are the reminders that we're gonna need? We're gonna need to know who is Jesus? What has he said? What has he promised? Jesus loved us much, so we must love much. He forgave us much, so we must forgive much. I need those reminders in, in the face of those conflicts, but I can't do it on my own. I need the helper. I need the Holy Spirit who is going to remind me, testify about Jesus to me, be a witness for Jesus to me. It's the only way we can respond well. When that power comes, look out. We've already heard, we've already heard about Acts 1.8, brought it up several times in the last couple of chapters, but Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The Spirit will empower us to be witnesses after he has been witnesses about Jesus from the Father to us. And that's where he's going in verse 27. All of this is leading up to the mandate that he has for the disciples and the mandate that he has for us. And you also, us also, the disciples also, will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, He's not talking about the disciples being with him from the beginning of time. He's talking about the disciples being with him since the beginning of his public ministry or whenever each disciple uh, joined in with him. If you saw the chosen, they all joined in at, at different times. So that word beginning, very interesting. Um, if you remember the word ruler from chapter 14, the RK. Uh, Pastor Jason talked about the RK. This is the exact same word, only it's not the first in authority, it's the first in time. But he's referencing that we will also bear witness because we have been with him since he 
changed our lives. He's talking directly to the guys who have been with him since the beginning. So the disciples go get to tell people about Jesus because they've been with him and they've seen what he's done. We get to go tell people about Jesus because we've been with him and we've gotten to see what he's done in our own lives. And no one can deny what Jesus has done in your life. Remember that. No one can deny that. See, the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is for witnessing. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is for us to be witnesses, because it's gonna be hard, but just like the Holy Spirit empowered us to trust in him, to trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will empower us to be witnesses in the world, especially in a hostile world. So here's where we're going. Pastor Jason talked about abiding in Jesus and tied it to our joy. I'm gonna talk about witnessing in the world, evangelism, and I'm gonna flip the script on evangelism and tie it to our joy. Ready? Because a lot of times, thank you. (laughs) A lot of times evangelism is taught in a very technical way in a very mechanical way, sometimes in a way that is uh, almost guilt-driving. You know, what if I came out here and said, y'all don't want people to go to hell, do you? What would you say? Hopefully, no. <laughs> uh, but sometimes that's the way evangelism has been taught. But we're gonna flip this around, because when I got saved, I remember my parents saying to me, you're not gonna go tell people about this, are you? And I was like, yes, I am. Because I had something, and I didn't know what I had, but I had this, and it turns out, I found out later, it was joy. I had this incredible deposit given to me by Jesus Christ, so here I am, I've got something way better than anything I had before, better than the drugs, better than the alcohol, better than the sex, better than the job, better than the money, better than the the status, better than the titles. I had Jesus Christ, and I wanted to tell everybody about it. Not because it was out of duty, but because I... I had this and I wanted them to have it. I was, I was eating at a five-star buffet. I got friends over here, they're eating dirt. I wanted them to have some of this. Because of the joy that I had, I wanted everybody to have joy. And God is out for our joy. We found that out earlier in chapter 15 and we get joy when we trust in Jesus. We get joy when we walk in step with Jesus. We get joy when we share that joy with others and we get more joy when they experience that joy. And it's out of our love for others. Notice how it's the two fruits of the Spirit that begin Galatians 5.22, love, joy, love, and joy. That's it. So what if, what if evangelism was tied to that instead of just got to go out there and knock on doors? 
What if evangelism was tied to our joy? Remember that question posed last week? How do people experience us? Well, if our neighbors, if people in our sphere of influence experience us at best, like they experience the rest of the world, why would they want some of that? But if they experience us as loving Jesus and we're joyful in that, it's gonna be contagious. We're saved. God's growing fruit in us. We're tasting this fruit. It's good. Every fruit has seeds in it. We're gonna plant those seeds. And when we plant those seeds and people experience that joy, it enhances our joy. So few people connect witnessing to joy. Maybe that's why it doesn't happen a lot. You know who gets the glory when people experience joy through us? God. Because he's the one empowering us. He's, He's the one who gave us the joy in the first place by the power of his spirit, and he's the one that is going to empower those who are going to trust in Jesus through our joy. So he gets the glory. So let's flip the script on this evangelism thing. Here's a point on the screen. Comes in the form of a question, just like Jeopardy. There's a reason it's a question. What if we share the gospel as our joy and not as our job? What if we share the good news out of delight in Jesus instead of duty? We can't contain ourselves when we're joyful about something, right? Maybe, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's your football team today. Maybe you're big Middle Tennessee State fans. I don't know. Let's pray for the Miami fans right now, in Jesus' name. Maybe, maybe it's uh, a TV show that you like, and you go tell everybody about it because it just fills you with so much joy. Maybe it's food. That seems to be a big one. Everybody always wants to tell you about the best restaurant they went to or the, or the tacos or the pizza. I like pizza. It is not a secret that I have an obsession bordering on idolatry of pizza. I get a lot of joy when I am able to share with others my favorite pizzas. So uh, we used to live in a neighborhood in Woodstock. We had uh, a little cul-de-sac, and we had some neighbors to our right. We always hung out with them in the driveway, put our chairs out there. And one day he says, I like pizza. <laughs> okay, game on. <laughs> I said, I'll be right back. <laughs> Drove to Alpharetta. <laughs> Drove to Avalon. Picked up two pizzas from my favorite place. Brought them back. It was obviously a miracle that the boxes did not open in the car and I did not partake in some of that pizza. Got back to the cul-de-sac. Everybody's still there. Now more people are there and I am so excited because I believe it's the best pizza I've ever had. And, and my friend, he opens up the box and like angels were singing, birds were chirping and he grabbed a slice of this pizza and he ate it in three bites and he begins to smile and I am just... I am just waiting for him to say, this is the greatest pizza in the world. It's going to make me feel good. And he says, it's okay. (laughs) 
And then he said these words that I will never forget. I prefer Papa John's. <laughs> Papa John's? Your Papa's the devil. <laughs> that... So we moved. Put a sign right on the front lawn. We moved to Canton. Get me out of there. I can't live near barbarians. But <laughs> the point here is, is, is not their response. The point is our joy in sharing what brings us joy. I mean, imagine if he said this was the greatest pizza of all time. Then, then I would have had a lot more joy. So when we share, the point is not someone's response, but it's that our joy is overflowing. I don't want to get technical, but I, I do want to get practical about this because I think we need some practical application. We just rolled out something to our groups, and it's part of our strategy with groups. We want them to uh, go through the verses in the message. So our groups gather together, have some fun, go through the verses in the message. We call it reap the verses. Like I said earlier, read, examine, apply, and pray. And then we want them to bless their neighbors. Now, they could be immediate neighbors. They could be uh, people in their sphere of influence, maybe coworkers, maybe even family members. And bless is an acronym. We're going to walk through that. It's going to be up on the screen. There it is, bless, B-L-E-S-S. -S. The B stands for be in prayer. Be in prayer for your neighbors. Be in prayer for your coworkers. Be in prayer for people that maybe you meet at the ball field because their kids are playing with your kids on the same team. Pray for them. The L is for listen. We are terrible listeners. If we kept our mouths shut, for just a couple of minutes, I think we'd find people fascinating because they are. People are so interesting. Find out where they're from. What's their story? How did they get to Georgia? The E is easy. It's eat. Eat with them. Have some coffee with them. Jesus ate with people all the time. If there were Starbucks in, in Jerusalem, Jesus would have been there hanging out with, uh, with people. Eat with them. Be relational with them. Once you're relational with them, find out how you can serve them. Ask yourself a question. Do you know how to serve your neighbors? Do you know their specific needs? How can you serve someone? And this isn't manipulative. This is being actually a loving follower of Jesus Christ and being in relation with people out of an overflow of our love and our joy. And once you've served them and you eat with them and you listen to them and you be in prayer for them, then you can share your story. When you share your story, you can share Jesus's story. So bless is a, a very practical thing. And don't forget, as you're relational with people, people are watching. They may know you're a Christian, and they're watching how you respond to things. Because Christians sometimes, I don't know if you noticed in the past few years, don't respond well to certain things. Um, my wife and I just moved uh, a couple of weeks ago. And um, I like to move. I love moving, actually. Um, 
right. Maybe I'm the only one, all right? I like renting a U-Haul. I do. It, it, it makes me feel like I'm going on an adventure. Got the one with North Dakota on the side this time. <laughs> Never been, but it, it looked like it would be fun. And, uh, and, we, and we get to this new neighborhood, and it's about 150 homes in this little subdivision. And I don't know if you followed the, uh, the housing market, the building industry. It's tough to get supplies, tough to get people to work. Um, so there's some things wrong. You know, there's some bad tile and some bad brickwork, some wonky walls. And a lot of the folks in the neighborhood, not any of my neighbors that came here today to hear this message, so I'm not talking about you. <laughs> there are people on the other side of the neighborhood. Um, they're, they're pretty upset about some of the things. And I was talking to this one guy even before we had moved in, and, and, and he said, you're so calm about all this. And I, and I was thinking, yeah. Um, and I told him, I don't, I don't want some bad tile to, to ruin this experience. What I'm thinking is, I'm not gonna let the devil rob me of my joy. <laughs> because someday, he's gonna ask, why were you guys so calm about it all? And I'll be able to tell him, look, it's not that we weren't frustrated. Of course we were frustrated. I mean, I did wanna pick up the phone and call the builder and say, y'all, y'all have a ruler, right? <laughs> a protractor, something? Y'all measured twice, didn't you? Not that I'm not frustrated, but I want our, our neighbors to experience us as joyful people because we've got this incredible thing over here with Jesus and a little bit of bad tile over here. We've got this incredible thing with Jesus and a wonky wall over here. And, and the RK of the world, Satan, has no claim over us. So I'm not going to let Satan rob me of my joy over something like that. How do people experience us? One of the things about witnessing in the world is how people see us enjoying Jesus. So let me ask you a question. That's a good answer. <laughs> do people see you enjoying Jesus? I mean, it sounds so simple. Do people see you enjoying Jesus? Because we can't be witnessing to something we're not experiencing. Like I said, 16 years ago, tomorrow, joy entered my life. And I've got something to compare it to. I knew marriage without Jesus. I knew work without Jesus. I knew finances without Jesus. But now, with Jesus, I've got something so much better than anything that used to self-medicate me. I just wanna share that with people. And if we're not enjoying Jesus, why would our neighbors want to enjoy Jesus? And just in case you didn't notice, we're still here. <laughs> if you're gathered online, you're still alive. Jasper, you're still alive. There's a reason. We've got work to do. We've got work to do, but the cool thing is, our work will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We don't have to do it on our own, because there's one thing. One thing that we can't share in heaven, and that's the gospel. Everybody already knows. So we've got work to do here. And this gospel that we have to share, this faith, it's not just for us. It goes to us, to go through us, to others. 
It's never for us to hold on and keep it. It's never for it to be a private faith. It's never private. If you have ever said that, there's grace, don't say it again. If you have ever said to somebody, I have a private faith, it's never private. It is personal, but it's never private. And I trust in the sovereignty of God, but I also know that somebody's private faith prevented me from hearing about Jesus till I was 45 years old. So let's commit to not make that happen for somebody else. Are we enjoying Jesus in such a way that it is attractive to others? Do, do people see Jesus in us? It's a tiny book in the Bible called Philemon. It's between Titus 3 and Hebrews. How do I know? I looked it up. That's exactly where it is. And, and Philemon is this guy that you just want to hang out with. He's the guy that walks into the room, transforms the entire room. You, you, he spends five minutes with you, you just feel better about yourself. He's an encourager, he's an empowerer, he, he's the coffee bean who transforms the environment that he's in, and he is such a great dude to hang out with because of the joy that he has in Jesus. Paul wrote a letter to him, and it is Philemon. Verse four, there's only one chapter. I always thank God, thank my God, when I pray for you, says Paul. Because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience, are ready for this, all the good things that we have in Christ, your love, has given me much joy and comfort, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Philemon was that believer from Micah chapter five that was dew on the grass, bringing refreshment. And what Paul is saying here is, you've got this amazing thing in Jesus. And when people are around you, it is contagious. So let's go out and bring that joy to others. And through that, we will experience even more joy. John Piper, who was a, uh, a pastor from Minnesota, you, you may be familiar with him. He says the Christian life should be about finding maximum joy in God. You ready for this? Where God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. He wrote this, and I think it's just so perfect for these verses that we're going through today. Our joy reaches its fullest extent only when it is compounded by the joy of seeing others share in it with us. When others share in that joy, it brings us maximum joy. Our goal in evangelism, he's real specific here, our goal in evangelism is to be God's instruments in creating new people who delight in God through Jesus Christ and who thus bring us great joy. We should have a desire for others to experience that joy. So bless is very practical. It does exude joy from us when we're doing that, but it needs some necessary conditions. We've talked a lot about primary desires. 
necessary conditions. You can have a primary desire. What are the necessary conditions to get that? What do you want? What do you got to do to get what you want? So with witnessing, if we want to tell people about Jesus, if we want to share the gospel, we have to, as a primary condition, know the gospel. Make sense? Okay. So we've got to know uh, what Jesus has done on our behalf. We have to know how God loved us so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I talk to so many professing believers who have trouble articulating this, and that's why it's important to know the gospel. We have to know that we are all sinners, that we all fall short of the glory of God. That's what it says here in Romans chapter three. And we're not compared to the guy next door. Nobody is good enough and you can't earn your way into heaven. We're all compared to a holy, perfect, righteous God. So if we're all sinners, that's a good baseline. Then it says in Romans chapter six, there's a penalty to sin. Again, I ask so many professing believers, did you know there was a penalty to sin? And many say they don't know that. What is the penalty to sin? Death. Very good. Eternal separation from God. So we're all sinners. There's a penalty to sin. Somebody's got to pay that penalty. God loves us so much, Jesus paid the penalty for us. But not just for the forgiveness of sin. His death on the cross was not just for the forgiveness of sin. It was a substitution for the penalty that we deserved. So his blood paid that penalty. We have to know that. And then, then three days later, Jesus, dead in the tomb, God raises him from the dead, declaring victory over death, allowing us to have victory over death and life eternal. We have to know the gospel because it is good news. It's the euangelion. It is good news that has to be delivered. It's another necessary condition. If it's news, it's got to be delivered. In my 34 years in broadcasting, my very first job, 1986, at a 500-watt flame-throwing AM station in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I don't want to brag. <laughs> uh, I was a newscaster. And I had a, a news director, and he said, you have one job. Find the news, deliver the news. Find the news, deliver the news. And then he said this to me. If you don't deliver it, they're not going to hear it. I had no idea he was planting a seed. I had no idea that was biblical. I had no idea until I read Romans chapter 10 exactly what he meant. Romans chapter 10 says, they won't hear it unless it is delivered. And how are they going to hear it unless somebody preaches it? So we have to know the gospel. We have to deliver the gospel. Those are necessary conditions. And before we go, I think there's two more. I think there's two more necessary conditions. I think we have to have a heart for those who don't know Jesus. We have to have a brokenness for people who don't know Jesus. And if you walked in here and you're a believer and you don't have a, a heart that absolutely breaks for your neighbors that don't know Jesus and coworkers and family members, it's okay, because sometimes our joy 
and our heart for the broken and lost, it leaks. So be encouraged. We're gonna leave here together today, bolstered up. This isn't to guilt you down, it's to build you up. But our heart for the broken has to be a necessary condition. Back in 1993, um, there was a, a horrific moment in our military history. It happened in Somalia, it happened in Mogadishu. You may have seen the movie Black Hawk Down or read the book. Uh, we lost 18 servicemen, 73 were wounded, battling warlords in the streets of Somalia. There was a U.S. Army Ranger named Jeff Struker, 24, 25 years old, young guy. He had a heart for the broken and a heart for the lost and a heart for his men. And he was looking for opportunities to share the gospel, to witness to his men. But up until then, he was hitting brick walls. He would try and they weren't listening to him. They went out on the first mission and it was horrific. They got back to camp and his job was to wash the blood out of the back of the Humvee. And as he was doing that, he's praying. And as he's praying, because he had been reading his Bible a lot up until then, and as he's praying, his commanding officer comes up and says, hey, you guys gotta go back out there. And in that moment, he knew he wasn't coming back. And he felt this calm come over him, this peace come over him, that he's gonna be okay. He's either gonna go home to his family, or he's gonna go home to his father. He's good. They go back out there. He's the only one in the next battle who's calm. His voice over the radio was commanding, but calm. He had a supernatural peace over him, and he got his men out of that battle, and that night, one by one, as an answer to his prayer of opportunities to tell his men about Jesus, they kept knocking on his tent, waking him up, saying, how were you the only one who was so calm in the heat of the battle, in the fog of the war? And he was able to tell them about the hope that he had in Jesus. It's an incredible story. Are we exhibiting the characteristics of Jesus in the chaos of the world? How did, how did Christians respond to the chaos of COVID? How did the world see us respond to that? How did the world see us respond to the chaos of politics? How will the world see us respond to the chaos of politics now? How is the world seeing us respond to the chaos of the economy? Is our hope in any of those things or our response to any of those things is our hope in Jesus Christ? Final point. How people experience us in the chaos, our joy in the chaos will make them curious. Our joy in the chaos of the world will make them curious. They may even ask you, why are you the way you are? Boom, you've got an answer. This is what Jesus did in my life. This is what Jesus can do in your life. But there's one more necessary condition. You have to have Jesus. You have to have this deposit. 
can't share what you don't have. And maybe, maybe the gospel has not transformed your life yet. We're going to take care of that today. We're going to give you an opportunity for that today. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here going, yeah, I'm, I'm eating the dirt, and this five-star buffet looks pretty good over here. I was eating dirt 16 years ago today. And then over the phone, my therapist began to tell me about what was over here. And what I didn't realize until studying this week, she blessed me, B-L-E-S-S. I had no idea until today, until this week. I was thinking about it. She and her husband were in prayer for me for years. For years they had been praying for me. For years they listened to me. Sometimes it was $150 an hour. <laughs> and, and other times we just hung out. They ate with me. We ate lots of meals together. We laughed together. Highly relational together. They served me. They served me so well. In my mess, they served me so well. And then, on September 26th, 2006, in a therapy session over the phone, I asked a ridiculous question. Is there a God? And could he have anything to do with my life? And after being in prayer and listening to me and eating with me and serving me, she shared the story. She shared her story. And then she shared the story of Jesus. So this is, a, this is more of, of a story about what they did and what God did than what I did. All I did was through the power of the Holy Spirit have the power to say yes. And in that instant, she shared the life-changing, generational message of Jesus Christ. And this Christian-hating, Christ-blaspheming Jewish atheist became a Christian-loving, Christ-honoring, Jewish believer. So now I can share that. I can share that out of this joy that I still have. That was me going, look at my face. <laughs> I still have this joy. Sometimes it leaks and I got to remind myself. I got to look up at the cross and go, Jesus did that for me. I can't believe that. And I get to walk in step with him and obey him, and if I obey him, I get more joy, and then I get even more joy if I tell somebody about him. Oh. I can share it out of an overflow of love. So I want y'all to have that more than anything. You know, in Romans chapter nine, Paul, 
Paul is so broken for those who don't know Jesus, he's willing to give up his salvation so his kinsmen can taste and see the fruit of Jesus Christ. So we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray for those who don't know Jesus, who may have been eating some dirt, didn't even know it. I wanna taste this incredible fruit. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that your spirit is moving right now here in Canton and in Jasper and online. We pray for those who maybe have never tasted and seen the fruit of Jesus and have never connected their joy to this eternal joy of knowing him and abiding in him. If that's you and you're sitting in one of the seats or you're at home, you can repeat this prayer after me to yourself. Father, my eyes have been opened today. My heart has been opened today. And I want some of this fruit. I've been eating this dirt and I want something good. I want something life-giving. I want something eternal. I want Jesus. I believe that he is who he says he is. That he did die on the cross, not only to forgive me of my sins, but to take the place of a penalty that I deserve because of my sin. And I believe that you raised him from the dead, declaring victory over death. Will you save me? If you just said those three words, will you save me? I want you to do something here because this is all about joy. This will be the most joyful you have ever been. And you will experience more joy when you pour out that joy on others and they experience that joy. So to give us joy today, raise your hand as high as you can get it. If you just said those those words, will you save me? And it was the first time you said that. Thank you. Thank you. Our prayer team has a Bible. They're walking over to give it to you right now. For everyone else, we know what we have. We are confident in that truth because the Holy Spirit is empowering us to tell others, to be witnesses. So we're gonna pray for boldness because we're gonna need it. When Paul was imprisoned at Caesarea by the sea for years, he finally gets out and he gets an audience with King Agrippa. And instead of defending himself, he prayed for boldness and he witnessed to a king about the king. Father, will you give us boldness? Would you give us opportunity? And would you allow us to be in tune with the Holy Spirit so when we have those opportunities, we see them? Give us boldness to be in relation with people and to tell them 
about Jesus. Father, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.